BSD Now, episode 470, Zero MP interview. This episode is recorded on the 17th of August 2022. This episode of BSD Now is also brought to you by Tarsnap. Go to tarsnap.com slash bsdnow to find an online backup for truly paranoid people. And if that wasn't enough, you can also support our show by checking out our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash bsdnow. Hey, I'm your host Benedikt Reuschling and Tom Jones is just getting a glass of water while we are recording this. And this is a special episode, not in our regular format, because we have an interview for you after a while. We have found someone who wasn't uh, too shy of getting in front of a microphone, and that is Zero MP, also called Matthias Piotrowski. hope that's properly pronounced. And we talked to him about our uh, common motivation to do open source work, his various roles in the FreeBSD project, starting from Google Summer of Code, up to his ports work and a few other interesting things he's involved with. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back with a regular one next week. Okay, Mateusz, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. And uh, I should uh, probably introduce you not too much because you're probably going to do this yourself. So uh, my first question that we ask for people who have never been on the show before, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Unix or in this case, BSD? Hi, Ben and Tom. Thanks for having me. So my, I actually don't remember how I got involved with Unix. I think I started using Linux in high school and then I was doing a lot of distro hopping and I, I think I was using uh, something called CrunchBank Linux for quite long. It was very nice. It had an open box um, window manager or something and it was very minimal. And then at some point, um, I think that was after my first year of studies, and one of my friends went to a, a job fair to look for summer interviews and he met three uh, BSD committers there. And they offered us to um, participate in Google Summer of Code. And that's how I got started with FreeBSD. Ah, okay. And so that was your introduction to the, the BSD space? You have never used BSD before that? No, no, I had no idea what BSD is before that. Um, I remember when we uh, went to, to, to meet the, the FreeBSD committers uh, sometime after the, the, the job fair. Uh, we read a, a, bit, a bit about uh, FreeBSD, but we had no idea what we were reading about. There was something about jails and uh, security and, and so on. <laughs> well, when we were trying to pitch to them that we really know what FreeBSD is, that <laughs> it, must have been, it must have been very fun with them. Oh, to be, yeah, but... fly, to be a fly on the wall for that conversation, it must have been hilarious. <laughs> um, so, so does that mean that you ended up doing a FreeBSD Google Summer of Code based on your zero experience of FreeBSD? Yeah, so so actually the project was somewhere in between FreeBSD and, and Linux because it was, um, it was about the um, audit subsystem. And the idea was to create a user land tool to convert Linux audit trails to, to FreeBSD audit trails. So you really didn't need that much experience with either Linux or, or FreeBSD per se. Okay, that's really cool. Is that code that ended up in FreeBSD? No, so it turned out that um, we couldn't really find out how to do the conversion right because the Linux format wasn't documented. There was only a library that was, you know, uh, the source of truth about the, the format. And yeah, we, I, there is a prototype somewhere there on GitHub in one of my branches of the FreeBSD source tree. But um, it turned out to be a slightly larger project than we expected because we also had to modify the, the kernel to, to add a new system call or something. Because when you when we were doing the conversion, we had to create a new um, audit event, I think, but with a, with a with a specified timestamp or something like that. And you cannot just create an arbitrary audit event with an arbitrary timestamp at the at, at the moment. So um, yes, this project is uh, ongoing in a way. That's that's really cool. Um, 
Did you, did, so, I mean, this, this is totally not on the list of questions we started with. Um, did, so, did you think the FreeBSD project was welcoming to, you know, a, com a complete outsider with no background? Um, I mean, it was GSOC, but did you find the project welcoming? Oh, yeah, it was absolutely welcoming. Like, apart from the, the fact that we, we were approached by the committers to, to, to do some, you know, nice project in FreeBSD, and they offered us... Uh, their expertise to choose the, the, the one fitting our, our um, interests. Um, also, during the, during the Google Summer of Code, the, my experience was, was really, really nice. Uh, I got a lot of help. I, I even exchanged a couple of emails with uh, Robert Watson. I think so. uh, that was a big moment for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Oh, that's, that's really cool. So, I mean, we're going to maybe touch on this later, but... With your with your new position, are you going to be one of the people very positive about um, Google Summer of Code? Because it's always it's always hard to justify GSOC because it does take a lot of developer effort. I've I've mentored two of these and I thought they were quite painless, but they still took a lot of time. Um, do you, do you think it's good for the FreeBSD project to keep doing Google Summer of Code? Um, yes, from my perspective, it's super important for FreeBSD to, to do Google Summer of Code. Um, because it offers a very structured way of mentoring new people into the project. And it's actually a way in which you as a student, you can uh, think of a nice project that you want to do, apply uh, for, 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 for the Google Center of Code um, program, and then, you know, uh, get a whole summer with your mentor to actually implement it. Um, if it wasn't for the Google Summer of Code, I'm not sure if we have a similar kind of a framework where you can, you know, approach an, a commenter with your project and say, hey, could you help me do that? Yeah, it's very intense. There, I mean, there, there's, there's certainly some avenues um, that maybe have closed up over time. So the co-op placement that the University of Waterloo does with the FreeBSD Foundation is a different route. Yes. It's, it's much lower bandwidth, so it's, you know, two people a year, but it seems to um, have produced some really good results. Um, I, I know when I was entering the project, I just messaged people based on, like, their wiki page and where they said they would hang out in IRC. And so, like, that's how I ended up in the BSD MIPS IRC channel speaking to Adrian about Wi-Fi stuff. Um, <laughs> maybe there's not, it's not definitely not as mature a pipeline because... The people that show up who want to work on Wi-Fi don't understand how hard it is to work on Wi-Fi. Mm. And the results are, yeah, don't work on Wi-Fi. Um, I, I meant that, of course, it's, 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 it's relatively easy to approach uh, previously developers when, when you have like a specific idea on your mind and you want to um, ask what they think about it, maybe ask for a review or, or something. But if you want to work on FreeBSD in the form of, a, uh, of an internship, or a project with a grant, then Google Summer of Code is probably the easiest path. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, 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 I'm a big proponent of GSOC. I still think it's great. Um, it would be interesting to figure out if you, if we could arrange a route uh, for people that have, you know, um, I'm interested in working on X, but I'm not sure how to get started. Like some form of mentorship that could follow that path, because mm, not everything right needs people. to be as formal as a GSOC, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I, it's also it's also easy for me to say that GSOC is great because I only uh, I was never mentoring. <laughs> in the oh, okay, style, yeah. right? So <laughs> sign him up for next year. Um, the <laughs> so, but you also brought in some programming experience into the project. You weren't or during the Google Summer of Code, you weren't completely new to to this area to C programming. I guess it was. I mean. I was studying computer science, so um, I had some experience with it, but it's from when I'm looking at the code now, it was probably of very low quality. <laughs> it, it, Most code it requires starts way. much more work to, to get, you know, committed properly. Yeah, but that's okay. I think this uh, another hidden goal of Google Summer of Code is also that people stay on after it's officially over to fix the remaining issues. And that way are getting into the project uh, afterwards. Yeah, this is actually how I stayed in FreeBSD. I was continuing my efforts to, to do something about this project, uh, mm -hmm. um, 
discovering new and new um, interesting behaviors in the audit system. And yeah, as the time passed, I um, found new areas of interest with FreeBSD. And yeah, that was the way I stayed. Okay, great. Um, so as we move on to the, the more recent work you've done and the work you've done since the, the GSOC, what are, what are some things or some places in FreeBSD that you could be uh, blamed for or maybe you've been uh, responsible for? So at the very beginning of my... Um, so after GSOC, uh, I spent a lot of time in the documentation area, specifically in the, on, on our wiki, FreeBSD, the FreeBSD wiki. The free BSD wiki. I cleaned up a lot of pages there, <laughs> and I actually had the, the idea to, to migrate this this wiki to a different system just to um, make it a bit more accessible. Maybe have a different uh, syntax there. Oh yeah, um, I remember us talking about that in Cambridge. Yeah, it was a long time ago, and and at that time I had this idea to maybe move all our documentation to wiki to, to make it resemble. ArchWiki maybe, um, but then I quickly learned that on a wiki it's very hard to moderate things, and having an, an actual doc tree is, is usually a much better idea, especially for, for our project. Um, yeah, apart from the wiki, I also contribute quite a lot to, a lot to the manual pages. Um, I guess that my favorite one is the, the BE install, with a little script you can use uh, when you are um, tracking the, the, the head branch, the, the main branch of, of, of FreeBSD, and you compile from source, you can use BE install to um, install the, the world and the kernel you build onto your machine. Oh, and it's, it's, it's the fully first time I've it. it's, it's very nice uh, because mm. it, it, it automatically, automatically wraps the whole installation with a boot environment for you. Oh, I see. So that you have a separate environment for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's very nice. And I'm really proud of this manual page. And apart from that, I maintain a bit of ports and I wrote some completion, bash, bash completions for, for FreeBSD specific uh, tools like PKG or, or Foodier. Um, yeah. Benedict, do you have a favorite man page? Uh, so the f man page that I show to students when I introduce them to man page is the yes man page because it fits on one slide and it's very <laughs> compact and easy. I always say this is a very positive man page. There's no no man page, although you can let yes say no. Um, and then students laugh and kind of get what I want. Uh, then I show you the, the, the other extreme, like the ls man page, which has all the alphabet soup in capital and lowercase letters. And there's something in there in between the two. So I mean, I the, 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 there's so many contenders. Um, I I hit one the other day. Um, I think about the buff subsystem that was just written with so much bitterness that I just couldn't believe it existed. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, but my favorite one is from. I mean, it's no longer in FreeBSD, but it's the EP um, man page, and there's a diagnostic section. And there's a EP0 colon um, C3509 in test mode, erase pencil mark. This means that someone has scribbled with pencil in the test area on the card. Erase the pencil mark and reboot. This is not a joke. Ooh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mad pages are very interesting if you know, if you look deeper behind uh, the scenes or in the history of them, like which changes were made. It's it's great that working with something really old, right? Because it's a bit like walking around an old castle. Like no matter where you poke, it's going to be interesting, and there's going to be a story. There's a ghost in there. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting work, and not only the formatting, but also like trying to keep a certain style of writing or a certain language that you use that's neutral but still brings or carries along what you want to convey to the user. Oh yes, okay, yes. So I, I even sorry. No, um, continue. I, I even created a, a manual page for that. <laughs> I think it's called ah, yes, style mdoc or the other mm -hmm. way around. And it explains how to uh, 
what's the style for writing a manual page in, in, in FreeBSD? But yeah, it's a work in progress. Uh, we have to add a bit more um, rules we have to that manual page. Is, mm -hmm. it, is it in the yeah. tree yet? It is. Cool. Oh, yeah. And we could point people to it and say, here, it's written down. We don't just pull this out of our heads. We just uh, have this written down at one point. Is it is it cross-referenced into style? Because I feel like they're... I if you just do like, If you do man style, though, and you're too lazy to go all the way to the bottom of that giant file, you're never going to find out there's an MDoc one. That's true. That's true. Is there a, is there a style man page for shell scripts? No, but there is um, one for makehouse. Hmm. But there should be one, now that you mention it. Ah, oh, yeah. Never, never speak to Tom. You'll keep your thoughts We were just getting so I think that most of our make files, they, they, uh, they often have a comment at the very beginning that they follow the style nine roughly. Mm -hmm. Roughly. <laughs> yeah, it's a very... But, but still, the people who work on the documentation and when we do reviews, we kind of look for certain things that can be detected easily with like tools like Igor mm -hmm. and uh, Mandoc, Tlint. Um, but of course, other things are have to be read by a human and say, okay, you shouldn't use a U here or whatever it is. There is certain things that only people can detect, although the tools help a lot with them, general cleanups. Okay, um, so yeah, that was already quite helpful and it still is. And so uh, you also served as uh, the first doc engineering secretary. Uh, I think I have a small part in that. And also you <laughs> joined the FreeBSD core team in this term on your own. Uh, uh, we didn't, uh, you know, force you into that. So what interest you? What interested you in these roles, and what do you want to accomplish in that uh, core term with the others? So um, both. In, in case of the document secretary role and the core team member role, I was just curious how how those uh, teams work internally and how does it um, affect the project. So um, yeah, I, I just want to see how it really works inside and regarding whether I have any projects for the core team for this term. I don't have any specific ones like um, improve the desktop support in FreeBSD or something. Um, and that's partially because, from what I understand, um, Cording is not supposed to have this kind of um, ideas, right? It's, it's, you don't have to be on the core to do projects in FreeBSD. Yeah, everyone can do that. Yeah, so, so I was, I'm, I'm really happy about the, Euro, the project EuroBSDCon because we will have a, a dev summit finally in person and I'll be able to talk to, 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 to fellow developers and see what kind of projects we need uh, as, as, as the free BSD project. So for example, uh, I know that there is a, a need for um, another package branch for minor releases that will specifically build kernel modules because it turns out that sometimes when we when you have I don't know 12.1 and 12.2, the kernel modules don't exactly work in between those releases. You have to rebuild them. However, yeah. uh, currently our package uh, repository is is built on the lowest supported minor release, so it causes a lot of problems to that upgrade. And then you know. Um, in order to, 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 to complete such a project in FreeBSD, you have to coordinate a couple of teams. And I think this is where the core team can help the project to... Yeah, they're yeah. in a certain role or in a central role that can put these teams into the same room or just makes stuff work between or cross yeah. teams. And keep track of the, of the progress, right, of this issue. Yeah. Yeah, for that, it's, it's a good uh, place to look. Even if you're new to core, this is perfectly fine. Uh, we actually want fresh blood in the, in the core team because people have different ideas, different approaches that haven't been tried before. And so I think this is a nice mixture of people who have been on core and had their own share of experiences, good or bad, and with new people who could bring in new ideas that we old folks haven't uh, thought about. 
and also again that was also my motivation when i started my first uh core term uh, like how is this actually working what's needed to make the project work like that um and what can individual people do to make this a better experience overall mm -hmm. and it, it sometimes it may seem like thankless work or work that isn't very publicly seen but i think it's still necessary to do a couple things that are sometimes long term sometimes shorter term that have been brewing for a while and when that is done by a certain team then it seems like oh this has been going on for a while while it hasn't core done anything about it well they have been but they cannot publish that yet so to a certain degree yeah but it's yeah, important so. work i think it's 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 really nice it's a nice feeling to to be able to support um you know FreeBSD developers this way to um let them code and you know we take care of the rest exactly. the paperwork <laughs> yeah i also find working with this small knit team interesting because they have also different viewpoints and yes there's problems with time zones and we need to find a common meeting time and stuff like that but overall they all want to do the same thing for this term or for this core time that they are elected to and so i think it's a nice way of working with that team together with other members and of the also, project. From, from what I remember, this core is the, it has the least amount of source that committees, right? On it. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's uh, unusual, but well, that's not a So it's a also an interesting or... scenario because um, we will have much more talk and ports um, opinions now on core. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that could mean yeah. there's a certain direction taken, mm -hmm. but again, so, so my my own policy or my own approach was for some of these issues that we have to put on uh, course plate it's kind of like well i can see this is important but i have no technical expertise in that particular area so i trust the other members who are who have like a, a source bit or a ports bit that they mm -hmm. know better and i just go along and similar when it's a i don't know a documentation term or where i'm a bit more involved that they do similar things and trust me the same way and so not everyone has to chime in their opinion if they are not the experts in a certain area so yeah it will it'll be interesting i'm I'm kind of looking forward to that term mm -hmm. it's uh, something new and uh, exciting uh, don't ask me at the end of the term how i feel but <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's 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 certainly interesting in in one way or the other. So, so that was very cryptic. <laughs> to, to return to the the first part of the question, um, so you were the first DocEng secretary. Could you could you explain what that role was? Because I I don't don't think many people will know, uh, and maybe what what you learned from it. So as a DocEng secretary, um, well, it's 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 really. Um, it's mostly administrative work. So I don't really participate in any discussions as a docent uh, member, although I see all the email. So, uh, you know, when, when there is a transition from docbook to uh, ASCII doc, I can see the transition happening behind the scenes, but I can't really, you know, uh, have a vote whether that's a good idea or not. At the same time, uh, a Docker secretary is uh, responsible for um, answering emails coming to the docent if they are time critical, you know, or, or something like that. Um, also, um, a docent secretary handles uh, voting procedures. So when a committer, when a doc committer proposes someone uh, for a comment bit that they want to mentor them, um, then the docent has to. Um, have a vote on that, and it's up to the package doc and secretary to, to handle the, the procedures of that. Yeah, and so they, that the team itself doesn't have to, have you voted already? Have you? I did this two weeks ago. So that there's a certain person keeping track of that, and we also don't get confused ourselves. So that's usually uh, what a secretary does. And I, for one reason or the others, the core had for the longest time a secretary. The ports management team had one, but the docEng team never had one. So I thought, why not? This would still be helpful, even though their role is a bit different than the typical source-based uh, roles. 
but nevertheless the the work is the same like you said with the commit bits and some of the uh, like note taking and administrative work mm -hmm. so yeah uh, definitely then, appreciate it yeah sorry um i just wanted to add that um there's also another detail to that um the amount of work is actually not that large so um when i was away there were people who were able to on the dock entry the way they were able to, to handle that work for me which was very nice of them um because sometimes i didn't have the time to contribute that much time to to Dawkins, you know. Yeah, well, we're all volunteers, most of us. So yeah, so so even if you don't have a Dawkins secretary, it still kind of works. It's not critical, but it's it's certainly very helpful to Dawkins team to have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's certainly uh, true, and we we will probably continue with that role. It probably will not become obsolete anytime soon. <laughs> one more thing, it's also a great way to to join a team. And to see how it operates, because when, when you yeah. are a new uh, member or, or in the like a new committer, you don't really have uh, that much credibility maybe to to be a member of port manager or tokens or core team. But it could very well be that you can become a secretary, and this is going to give you you know a lot of insights into how the project works. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And if you're having some organizational talents, like if you can keep a calendar or remind people to to vote or just keep, I don't know, something orderly that wasn't so orderly before. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's surprisingly hard, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all have to do this on our own, but for a team, it's kind of like, yeah, mm -hmm. a bit of extra responsibility. But again, if people are not that good in programming or whatever, they could still be a useful uh, member in, in a secretary role. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is certainly a different kind of uh, open source work. Cool. And and so on top of doing documentation work and being on the core team and, and helping DocEng in the past, you also maintain some ports. Um, what, what are you currently looking after? So um, currently I'm looking after a, a bit over 150 ports. Wow. <laughs> but don't worry, <laughs> not all of them are critical. I, I cannot imagine how people can maintain like 600 ports of which like 200 ports are critical. Like, I don't know, like KDE, KDE ports or some uh, compilers. This is, this is amazing work. Mm. Uh, I only have a couple of serious ports. <laughs> And those are, um, I maintain Ansible, which is ah, quite a bit of fun. Um, mm -hmm. The releases are quite frequent, and um, they actually tend to break things from time to time. And then I get yeah, bug I reports. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I run the test suite before, before committing, uh, it's still sometimes doesn't go the right way. Um, there is also the Dtrace toolkit. Oh. Uh, Does that get many updates? Uh, Does that get many updates? Well, uh, the original one, no, really. It's in archive mode, pretty much, I think. But there is a copy of the Dtrace toolkit in the open, open Dtrace project. Ah, they maybe update the copy of there are some scripts. updates. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, apart from that, I also maintain uh, little stuff like DWM. Is this is my favorite window manager? <laughs> okay. Um, there is also folding at home client. Oh, nice! You know, it, it's 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 a Linux version actually. So it was a bit of so it's fun because I had to use the Linux layer, the the Linux um, emulation layer, right? Um, to you know to make it work, and it works. You can uh, help that that project with your with your CPU time. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, there is also uh, Nix Package Manager. That was a nice project to, to port that to, to FreeBSD. You cannot really use uh, any uh, Nix packages at this point, I think, unless you build them, but, unless you build them yourself. Um, but I think it, it was a good idea to, 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 to add a, a initial support for it to FreeBSD ports so that people interested in Continuing the continuing the work 
they can just run pkg, PKG install nix and then they can play around with all the different configurations has to be done too. Oh yeah, I remember we covered Nix a couple episodes ago and we were kind of totally new to that and mm -hmm. were kind of interested in the project itself. Yeah, and the, the Nix community is also interested a bit in, in, in having FreeBSD, even for the sake of having more operating systems um, and, you know, on, the, on the support list, let's say. So it's it's been an interesting collaboration. Um, you know, it's... I don't have that much time to work on the project anymore, um, but you know it's it's there. If someone has a pull request, I will happily review it and merge in. Um, yeah. Apart from that, I also um, remember when we didn't have Signal Desktop in the port stream, which landed oh. like two months ago. <laughs> so I ported like five different ports to have the CLI version. That allowed me oh, to, yeah, to just yeah. get to it. <laughs> <laughs> to talk to people using Signal. Um, and there is also Terraform. Oh, you also do. Oh, okay. We yeah, used this at work recently it's, or it's started never using it. When so. you upgrade it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but that's hugely popular right, in recent Although years. Although it's written in Go, cloud. and sometimes weird things happen with the models. Okay. Um, <laughs> but once you figure out how which models to download, it's, it's working. Uh, okay <laughs> and so basically you take ports that you use yourself and if they have no maintainer yet you you try to take that over or what's the idea so there? most of the, most of the ports i i have i maintain uh are the ones mm -hmm. i ported myself because i just i saw like a, a new product online or there was a project i wanted to use and i really don't like building from source and then installing it, you know, with make install, you know, like like just just some random command you find on the internet. I always try to put the port, the, the software first in the port tree, then build it this way, and then if it works and it's uh, relatively popular, I commit it for everyone to use. Um, cool, yeah, it, that's a nice approach. Yes, it's it's also a very sane approach <laughs> because the port yeah. tree takes care of a lot of things, like the flags and paths and, and everything. So it, it really makes porting things much easier when you do it with the forestry first than if you do it you know, in a separate directory. And yeah. Because then you have to redo everything with ports anyway. Yeah. yeah, I always wanted to get into ports, but I never had the time to dedicate a little bit of, you know, pet project with it so maybe one day i will get to it but i want i like the the ports people because they kind of bridge the freebsd operating system to the applications and they talk also to the upstream and if there's uh, like a specialty on freebsd they report that or if there's a bug they found they report that upstream so i think that's kind of nice so that we also have enough software available for the base operating system Oh yeah, I, I I submitted quite a bit of patches like that to to add support for free for FreeBSD or add a little refiner that so that hey FreeBSD is also fine. We exist, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's always fun to work with, of course, unless it's a super large project like uh, Electron, for example. <laughs> well, now we have it, but it was really and quite a bit of effort for for. for yeah, that takes a team typically to get it all together and maintain it also not just port it once also, and then totally forget it but also making it updatable and get the newer versions yes yeah i can imagine this being <laughs> interesting and also a lot of work very nice cool so let's switch gears here a little bit um you're currently writing your thesis or are starting your your master thesis can you tell us a little bit about that work if it's not too secret no, it's not. I'll gladly share some, some bits with you. Uh, so, um, since I spent so much time with the FreeBSD community, I wanted to, um, you know, use the, the, the possibilities I have. <laughs> and, yeah, why not? Uh, the makes sense. And, you know, being able to ask community members about things I find confusing. So, um, I'm writing about uh, performance analysis of Detrace on FreeBSD and eBPF on Linux. 
So um, during some conversations on some development channels in, in FreeBSD, maybe it was even Twitter, uh, I learned that um, e, the, the overhead of tracing tools, sometimes um, it's not as negligible as the presentations usually say. So very often when you learn about the trace, it's, it's uh, marketed as having almost no overhead which is kind of true, but then also, if you start to use it very heavily, you can see the overhead. And the same applies to eBPF. And um, it was quite interesting to me that, um, you know, people measure those things all the time when they deploy their services and they want to use Ditrace or eBPF and they decide between FreeBSD or Linux and they figure out that one operating system is slower than the other and it's, it's not possible to trace something on one system because it's too slow and then it's possible to do it on the other one because it's fast enough. But I couldn't find any, you know, documentation or, or papers on that. So I decided to write one and, um, you know, document what's the overhead, what you can expect when you, when you trace things. Um, yeah, if I'm lucky, I will be able to, to, um, to compare maybe Linux performance to FreeBSD performance, although this may be a bit difficult. Um, originally, I also wanted to see if I can find any bottlenecks that cause the overhead, oh. but mm -hmm. these could be hidden and, uh, in, the, in the source code of, of, the, of the kernels, and this may be a bit of a difficult dive. Yeah, because I can imagine this being like, how do you actually construct such an experiment? Like, because D-Trace is so fine-grained in a level where you can trace, how do you make a performance yeah. measuring? <laughs> I think you would like to use D-Trace, right? <laughs> <Measure> <laughs> to <that>. D-Trace? <laughs> there are ways to do it. Um, uh -huh. Like, you have those those um, hardware counters, right? HWPC, yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, but then... It, it really depends how, how complicated you want the experiment setup to be. And I'm still um, testing various setups and seeing how, what, what the noise is when I'm measuring the, the overhead. There are different ways. Yeah, okay. And so you're just starting? This is the, like the, the, the initial draft of the um, research? Or are you in the middle already? Or? So I'm, I'm pretty much in the middle, I think. Uh, I did quite a bit of initial research. If it So the idea was, we had with my supervisor, is that first we do some um, research, if it, if it makes sense to measure that, you know, to see if it's even a, a scientifically uh, reasonable project. Because uh, uh, the master thesis has to be a scientific work. Yeah, I hear this kind of thing all work. the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it had to, you know, make sense scientifically. And it turns out it, it does have some value. So, um, yeah, now it's time to collect those, 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 um, measurements properly and then analyze them and so on. Hmm. Okay. That's certainly interesting. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah. Oh, Tom, you were going to say something. Yeah, but I don't know what now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you've, you've told me before that this work is the, the core to what you're going to present at, at EuroBSDCon. Could you maybe explain a little bit about what of this work you're going to talk about at, at EuroBSDCon next month? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, so um, the presentation on EuroBSDCon is going to be a distilled version of, of my thesis. I will focus on a couple of workloads and, you know, measure them. To, to see what the overhead is and then present it. But then in the case of, the, of, of my thesis, it's about um, analyzing the results really and, and maybe finding the bottlenecks, understanding why it is so. But during the presentation, I want to focus on, um, on the intuitions. So, so I, will, I will show, that, hey, this is the, the, the numbers I got. From, from measuring the overhead. This is what you can expect when you trace things on your own in your own production environments. 
So in the future, when you are about to trace your um, very busy server, you may reconsider because it may be just too heavy for it to handle. Hmm. So for, for your BSD con talks, there's a, the box you have to tick that says it's like beginner, intermediate, or advanced content. Which, which one did you tick for this talk? Um, <laughs> it, it won't be advanced, I think, because ultimately it's, it's going to be from the administrator perspective, right? It, it, will be, it will explain to the audience if they use those tools and they, those tools are there to be used what they can expect from those tools to, you know, like, in what way using those tools affect my system? That's the question um, I want to answer. So I, I won't be diving deeply into how DeepTrace works or eBPF. So it won't require you to be a kernel developer to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, you can go to that so, talk. Beginner friendly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, I mean, so my, my EuroBSDCon talk comes from a similar background. Um, but I always want to talk to beginners. I always want to talk at a very, like, the depth's not super relatable to everyone, but there's a lot of relatable stuff that comes from, like, it's really hard to measure a computer. Mm -hmm. um, and because my, my talk is on performance as well, um, I mean, right now I'm trying to figure out how you quantify the effects of measuring CPU usage, which I, I think mm -hmm. is hilarious because you just make, it just hurts your head after a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, that sounds really cool. I mean, so hopefully anybody that's listening will, will come to your talk and it'll be uh, too crowded to get in the room. Um, that, that's the <laughs> idea. Early. That won't be terrifying <laughs> at all. Yeah, as long as the speaker can go into the room still, that's perfectly okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fight the way in for you because yeah. I'm harrowing. I have to give that talk, actually. <laughs> um, so, so open source seems to be quite in, intertwined with your... Um, <laughs> all of the work you do in your life. Um, what, 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 does, what does open source mean to you? Mm. Well, let me think about it for a second. First of all, I think you get to know a lot of amazing people. So um, apart from FreeBSD, I'm, I'm also um, participating, let's say, in other um, open sourcey communities. For example, I'm a, I'm a member of, um, of the Warsaw Hackerspace, and I really like the culture of, 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 of the hacker culture, basically. Right? So, so the idea that it doesn't really matter what your background is or how old you are or what your seniority level is or whatever. It's all about your skills and your willingness to explore various areas like computing, woodwork maybe. Um, and it's just very nice to be in this kind of environment. At the same time, and I just really like computers. <laughs> <laughs> open source, it's very easy to collaborate with people on that. And apart from those two, it's, it also sparks a lot of joy when you, when you commit things and, and you see people use your, your, your patches, your code, and they quote you the manual pages you wrote or they appreciate the typos you fixed. Um, it's just really, really nice. And I don't know, I just like it. <laughs> yeah, well said. That many of these things resonate with me a lot. And I guess Tom will also chime in here. It's well, also a great of, learning no one ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever appreciates the typos I add. <laughs> oh, you're the one. <laughs> That's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, the first thing you said, I think we once uh, talked that you have a very international family, whatever that uh, means. And I think it's also like the BSD family of operating systems and the BSDs as, as, as a whole is one big family, as uh, many people will uh, agree with. Actually, Tom. So that's probably also... I think that, that there are there is a group that appreciates your typos. So I remember when I was starting to, to, to contribute to FreeBSD and I, you know, the, 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 like everyone is always saying, hey, just let, you know, if you want to start contributing, just look for the typos. <laughs> yeah. And the truth <laughs> is that if you, you can open like a random manual page or a random source file, there is always at least one typo there. <laughs> yeah, as it's much as we can check. <laughs> 
yeah, it's weird because these should all have been fixed by now because how many people read man pages every day and they should like stumble upon them every time, but not many of them bother to submit them. Yeah, but how often are you reading the LS man page? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and some people don't bother. They think it's part of the man page. It has to be this way. But then you let a spell checker run over it and it's kind of, yeah, well, this is not right. This shouldn't, there's not a word. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely see the same uh, motivations in, in other people that you mentioned and some of it my own as well. So definitely a good uh, description of what open source means because we also have a lot of people uh, listening to the podcast who are like, yeah, I always want to contribute or I want to know what's going on in these projects, but I'm not too well-versed in programming, but you don't have to, right? You can do this kind of work, like porting or finding the bugs or adding uh, typos, <laughs> fixing them. So it's not the end of your open source career if you cannot program. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's uh, open And you know what's also cool about open source? Is that yeah. all your contributions are public? So when you contribute oh, something, yes. you can send the link to your family and friends and say, "Hey, look, I'm on the internet." <laughs> yeah, look here, I am. And also, like for if you're changing jobs or applying for jobs in the first place, they can you can include a list on your I don't know GitHub or wherever, and show, "Hey, this is what I've done as prior work or in of my course, own this is a very pragmatic space. approach. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it's, yeah, people just do it for the fun of it. And other people are like, hey, this is also a bit of a resume building activity. And so, yeah, could many uh, people, or many people have different reasons for that, but it's certainly a rewarding experience. Uh, on that note, um, do you have any uh, cool Unix or BSD tip for us that we could maybe uh, give to the world as part of this show? Hmm. Something that's not well-known or that you use very often. I really like this little utility called ENTR, enter or enter, whatever. Uh, yeah, I think you showed it to me once, probably. Uh, but let us know what it is. So, Maybe so I it's, like, um, it's a tool you can use to reload, to run a script whenever a file changes. So you pipe the list of files into this, this utility. And then you specify what to do when what to do when one of those files change. Uh -huh. um, so it's really nice because you can create um, you know ad hoc uh, CI pipeline on your laptop. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And it's very. And unique. it's in ports. It's in ports. Yes, and I also mm -hmm. use it for for my little uh, program for previewing um, manual pages. I edit them. Oh, so that it's yeah, you're editing, and then it's already get rendered or yeah. the, the changes so I are. I run my Tmux, and on, my, on the left yeah. side I have my editor, and on the right side I run this this little tool I wrote called Mantra, and then I specify the manual page I'm editing on the left side of my screen, and then whenever I save, it magically reloads the pager. It it wasn't easy to do oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you want to yeah, be able like to scroll in the pager. So, and, 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 you know, um, I don't know, but it, it looks like the pages ignore signals or something. They, they probably like control C doesn't work or something. I don't know. Could be. It wasn't easy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of these LaTeX uh, previews where you start uh, typing and save and it, in the background compiles the, the LaTeX core uh, or the code into, in the, into the PDF and you give a quick uh, mm -hmm. change. Do you see what the page will look like then? Yeah. So... Yeah, I wanted to preview my manual page in the terminal, and I couldn't find yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad page previewer. Yeah, why not? This is useful. And I think it's, uh, it... yeah, this way it's flexible <laughs> enough so that you can use it also for other types of work that you want to uh, quickly get a feedback from. Is cool. there anything else you'd like to mention before we let you go? Um, maybe I'd like to say hi and thanks to my family and friends for um, supporting me, you know, in my little open source journey. Um, yeah, I, apart from that, not that much, no, thank you. <laughs>
Thank okay. you. It's been it's been great speaking to you today. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on to the show and you. showing yourself what you're doing in the open source space. Because a lot of people ask us, "Hey, can you do another interview? Why aren't you doing so many interviews anymore?" It's kind of difficult to find people, and um, that's why we're happy that you uh, agreed to have this interview with us today. Of course, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, all right. So then good luck with your future open source work and of course your academic work first that uh, is probably uh, finishing up your whole academic career or is there plans to do other things afterwards academically? Um, I don't know yet. I probably won't do a PhD, but who knows? Who knows, okay. There is so much to research about the overhead of of tracing tools. (laughs) Yeah, it's not very commonly uh, researched. Not too popular, as far as I can tell. Okay, so yeah, wherever this uh, this leads to, maybe we do another interview with the new work you're doing then. And uh, yeah, until then, good luck with your work and see you in Vienna. See you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We hope you liked this interview with CRMP Mateusz Piotrowski. Thank you again for appearing in our show. And if you are interested in future episodes like this check out our bsd now page bsdnow.tv and we are also looking for feedback that we could get from you or questions that you have about bsds any problems you might have encountered or any kind of questions towards uh, us anything about this show send this to us at feedback at bsdnow.tv and as i said in the introduction we will be back with a regular episode next week till then bye bye